I want to think with you uh, just for a few moments here um, <clears throat> about a couple passages, uh, maybe a little bit more historically than we oftentimes do. So <clears throat> nowadays we tend to focus on peace, joy, love, things like that around Christmas. Uh, historically, in the re- since the Reformation, um, like the uh, Anglican Church and many of the other churches, their Advent time consisted of focusing on four subjects, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. So that's what your four weeks were for. And it was in anticipation. It was looking forward to the fact that Christ was coming in both senses, the first time and the second time. And so <clears throat> there they were, uh, the people of Israel. They've been promised a Savior, and they're waiting for him. And in Isaiah chapter 9, it tells us this. He prophesies, There will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea. On the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land The light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence, as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning Fuel for the fire. Why? Because a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So many of you, maybe all of you are familiar with that passage. Um, and uh, there's a lot that could be said about this. Ask me sometime about that reference to the Battle of Midian. It's really significant. But we don't have time to go over that this evening. But it starts out, people who are in anguish, who are in darkness. That's where they were. That's where we were. That's not talking just about like the physical world around us. Like right now, the sun has set. They were in darkness in sin. They had no hope. They had received the law of God. They had received it, most of them joyfully. And yet now it condemned them. They couldn't keep it. And so the scripture tells us there is none righteous, not even one. <clears throat> so it was dark. All the Pharisees seemed to tell them as Jesus was about to be born into the world was how bad they were and how much they had to transform and change their lives so they could get to the point where God would love and respect them. And so that's the darkness and the gloom that Jesus burst forth into. That sinfulness that they were in, the sinfulness that we are all in. And that's what Advent used to start out with. You're going to die. And then the judgment comes. And nobody is worthy. There's two destinations, heaven or hell. Where do you think you're going? 
So the promise was that because of your sinfulness, because you fell short of God's standard, <clears throat> you would be destined for hell unless God made some provision. So I'd like to just pause for a minute here first and just pray for that first part of it, and then we'll just finish up and then pray for the second part. Heavenly Father, we are all wicked and evil in our own ways. Some are more evil than others, but none is righteous, not even one. So therefore, we know that we're going to die. We won't escape it. We know that there will be the judgment. We will stand before you and have to account for all the things we've done. We'll all be condemned because we fell short. This time of year, we've been maybe thinking about that, maybe not. But we think about it now for a minute because that's where we were. It was dark. It was gloomy. We were in anguish. It seemed like there was no hope. There were the promises that you had given, but it hadn't materialized yet. And so where were you, Lord? And how would we escape this situation? Lord, we do confess that all of us are in that same situation. Where would we be without you? We are lost. We are in anguish. It doesn't look good. Until we come to Christmas. Amen. And then this passage continues. And it totally changes, right? It says, uh, you know... The places that have been the darkest, right? The places that are sort of like the areas around Sevierville where the rednecks live, right? We might even think of ourselves as rednecks. That's what Zebulun and Naphtali, that's Galilee up in the north of Israel. They were the rednecks. It wasn't New York City. It wasn't Chicago. It wasn't L.A. Nothing glamorous. There's not a whole lot glamorous about those places right now. <clears throat> but that was where the rednecks were. And yet the light was going to dawn on them was going to come to them, and their lives were going to be transformed. Even to Galilee on the other side that belonged to the Gentiles. Yes, maybe, maybe even some crazy dudes would have all the demons sent out of them and delivered by Jesus, even though they weren't Jewish, because Jesus was coming as the light of the world, <clears throat> even to that place and to that time. And it says that you will see a great light, <clears throat> it will shine upon you. You will increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, right? You're not much happier than that. When your life depended upon what you brought in that summer and that fall from the crops you sowed in the field, you rejoiced greatly when you had a good crop. It meant you would survive the winter and get through the next year. <clears throat> as men rejoice when they divide the spoil... After a battle, if you've been the successful side, if you've won, you rejoice as you divide the spoil because God has delivered you and you were victorious. And, you know, we saw that same exact thing. I'm not going to read it for you because we've already talked about it. It blends in nicely, but with the shepherds, right? If you were here this morning, even if you weren't, we read a little bit of it. The angel appeared to the shepherds 
And what did he say? That it was going to be, this news is for great rejoicing. And so those shepherds, he said, this is what you will find. The Savior you've been waiting for has come, and now he is here. You're the first to hear about it. Go and see if what we're telling you is true, because it is true. When you get over your fear and you're just being overwhelmed by all these angels appearing to you, then go and look for this and see it. And so they did. And it says when they went there, they found it exactly as the angel had told them. Even the angel said he'll be in a feeding trough. They got there. He's in the feeding trough. Wrapped in a swaddling cloth. Because God is working history according to his plan. Not anybody else's. And nobody's going to interfere with it. If he says you're going to be in a feeding trough on this day at this time, you'll be there. And that's where he sent his son. That he might come to deliver us. And so... When we got to the time when we thought in our Advent worship, the third Sunday, the pink candle, it's different, right? That was heaven. That's the glorious part, and so it's a different color. It's kind of a a rejoicing time. And then the final one goes back to the somber. The other destination is hell. But then, finally, we light the center candle, the white candle for its purity. Because Christ has come into the world. And he has brought light to every man. And so now all who are his, all that God speaks to like the shepherd and says, your deliverer is here. Just believe what we're telling you. Then you will have met your savior and your rescuer and your Lord. And so that's what they did. And it says that they went away from their rejoicing greatly like exceedingly. So I want to ask you, is your joy right now on Christmas Eve, is it exceeding? I know we're Presbyterians. Can I get some people to clap and to say, woohoo, yeah, Jesus came, all right. I want you to carry that into tomorrow and then think about carrying that into next year because we waited all through the dark as winter started And then a light dawned, a light that brought salvation, not just to the Jew, but to the Gentile, to the lowest of the low, to those who were Gentiles up in the backwaters, the rednecks, to those who were shepherds in the lowest echelon of society. God came to them to transform their lives and to give them a new destination, heaven, instead of hell. And so he does for us as well. And that should make us joyful. I mean, maybe you had a really bad last few weeks. It doesn't matter. The question, the real question that needs to be answered has been answered. And you can rejoice in that all day long, all year long, all life long. So let's pray again and thank God for that. Heavenly Father, we, we know where we were. If we appreciate where we were at, If we think about where we were without you, that we were destined for hell until you interposed and sent Christ. And so now we look back to that. When we celebrate Christmas, we say Christ has come. And we rejoice exceedingly in that, knowing where we might have been. And we also 
rejoice exceedingly looking forward to Christ coming again because he's promised us that as well. And we know, we've seen that the smallest details of what you say will come true. And so we trust that that is going to be completely fulfilled as well according to your perfect timing. And so we look forward to Christ coming again when he will set everything right and when all the completion and fulfillment of everything will be accomplished. What a glorious day that will be as well. But for each of us, we've had a glorious day if we know you. And as we continue on in life and serve you, we just pray that you will watch over us and give us joy in what you have done for us. May we constantly look back to where we were so we, we can see that darkness, totally dark outside like it is right now. But we can also see the light that dawned, that came upon and shines brighter than the noonday upon us now and has rescued us. And so we can look forward and say, Maranatha, as the Bible closes with in Revelation at the very end, come, O Lord, Lord Jesus, come and rescue us for a final time and deliver us from all evil into your everlasting joy. We thank you for this and pray in your name, Christ who has made everything possible. Amen.